We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You are listening to Dove Valley Deep Divers with Eric Trickle and Lance Sanderson. Ball comes out of the hands of Newton. It's on the ground, picked up by T.J. Ward at the four-yard line. Vaughn Miller did it again. On Overtime Media. Mile high hello, everybody in Broncos country. Welcome into another episode of the Dove Valley Deep Divers podcast. I am your host, Lance Sanderson. And joining me, as per usual, is my good friend and colleague. He is Mile High Huddles, senior NFL draft analyst, the one and only Eric Trickle. Eric, dude, what's going on, man? How are we doing today? Doing good. I'm extremely tired as we're, you know, in the final stretches. We're down to less than two weeks until the NFL draft. So mm-hmm. we're in that. Uh, what's the what? What's the word? The the final stretch. There we go. Uh, of draft of getting ready for the draft. So I'm exhausted as I've been putting in a lot of extra work behind the scenes and everything, getting stuff ready and going, and uh, figuring out what the plans are that we're going to be doing with the draft. And so I'm tired. I'm exhausted, but you know. Here in just a little under two weeks, it's all going to be worth it. It's going to be the NFL draft, and we're going to have a great time spending that time sitting here in front of a camera and chatting with everybody in the chat. And thank you guys for joining us tonight. And I uh, hope you guys enjoy this show we have. Yeah, we got a great show for you tonight. As you guys can clearly see on the screen below me and Eric, we have a good friend of the show. He's been on multiple different times before. Been a while since we got our good friend, uh, Coach Luke Polglaze on the show. Luke, man, like I said, it's been a long time since we had been able to hear your voice live on the show, but it's always good to talk to you. We always learn a lot. How are you doing today, buddy? I'm good. I'm good. I appreciate you guys having me on. Uh, you know, I Thanks for saying hearing my voice because uh, we're in the middle of spring practices at the moment. So what voice I do have is is yours. Um, I was actually thinking earlier today, I think I've, I've officially lost count of how many times I've been on now. So um, kind of a yearly tradition. So I always uh, appreciate the opportunity to jump on with you guys. Yeah, man, it's always fun to have you on because, like I said, you do a really good job of breaking down schematic football and stuff like that and and helping our listeners just understand more and more what Eric and I are talking about because you just do such a great job of breaking down the X's and O's. And you were talking to us a little bit earlier before you went live. You're now coaching quarterbacks, so that gives you another notch in your belt and whatnot. So kind of upgrade or update everybody on what you've been doing over the last season and uh, everything that you've done thus far for anybody that hasn't actually listened to you on our show before. 
Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate it. So I'm currently the quarterbacks coach and special teams coordinator at Juniata College. Um, we're a small D3 school in central Pennsylvania, um, about 40 minutes down the road from Penn State. Um, so I've had the opportunity to go up there, kind of work some camps, see some practices, which has been really, really cool for me. Um, you know, professionally, I think I'm going into year number seven of coaching college football this upcoming fall. Um, first time coaching quarterbacks, which I'm thrilled about. Um, you know, I've coached every other skill position on offense, coached the linebackers here this past year. Um, so it's, you know, coaching is, is something I, I really love. Um, you know, it's, it's a passion of mine to be able to not only, you know, get to get to take part in, in coaching the, the greatest game in the world, but also be able to, to influence young men and, and help them grow and develop. And um, at the end of the day, you know, to be able to do that through sport, through athletics, through some competition um, is really special. So I'm, you know, I, I feel you on the lack of sleep. I feel you on the, the exhaustion there, Eric. Um, uh, it's it's one of those things where, you know, I, I love what I do. And um, some days I wake up, I spring out of bed and I said, man, I love what I do. I'm excited to get to work today. And some days I get out of bed and I say, no, no, no. You really love what you do. You really love what you do. And then I get going. So, no, it's all good. I, I will say that you and your lack of sleep is a little it comes from being a little bit more, you know, physically active than me. Uh, I don't know if you watch South Park at all. Well, there's an episode of World War, uh, Warcraft one where there's a heavy set guy sitting there all in back of the chair. That's me. So at least I get to sit down all day, you know, just work at a computer, which for somebody with bad eyesight, it's not great. But anyways, as we said, thank you for joining us. We appreciate it. And for those of you who watch and don't know, Luke is actually part of the, is a big reason is how MHH came to be. He came up with the yeah. name and everything. Um, he was here with us years and years ago and decided to leave for coaching and, uh, it's been fun being, you know, close friend of his and watching him and his journey as he's growing and doing more and more in the college football world. Yeah, man, it's been really fun to, to get to know Luke. He, he left before I was actually uh, signed on to milehighhuddle.com. So just to be able to to become friends with him and, and have some good conversations. It's, and it's always just a pleasure to have you, man. I was going to say, I don't know about doing more and more in the college football world like I've 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 shaken some hands of some pretty some pretty cool coaches. Um, some guys you get to see on ESPN on Saturdays on the sidelines, but uh, haven't haven't worked for them yet. But yeah, my uh, my handshake collection, which is a totally unofficial thing, um, you know, I'm 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 adding to that, man. I've I've been able to uh, to to shake some pretty cool hands. <laughs> A lot, lot cooler hands than I've been able to shake. About the coolest one that I've been able to shake was Eric's and Chad's. But uh, anyways, guys, uh, great show planned for you guys tonight. We're going to get into it just a little bit here with Luke and kind of have him break down the Vance Joseph defensive scheme. Um, we're also going to do a quick mock draft for you guys and try to bring up some new names that we've got. Uh, Eric has the, the draft network mock draft machine behind the scenes with a queue set up. So maybe this time we won't miss any picks uh, and actually be able to have the full breakdown but before we get into any of that guys gotta say hello to everybody in the chat michael ronquillo joining here saying good evening lance eric and luke on the dub valley deep divers go broncos and buckham and thank you michael for your continued support we definitely appreciate you man uh greg smith in the house as well saying good evening Denver, uh broncos country db4l uh keith brugman uh got an opportunity to join keith on his show uh denver broncos roundup with albert knoppers a couple weeks ago so keith i'm, I'm glad that you're here tonight and enjoying the show with us and enjoying the show with luke so thank you for joining us man ernie mays as always in the house saying what's going on uh hello eric, uh, lance and eric and scott go broncos country uh no scott tonight guys so if you miss any super chats or stars donations on the backside, we do apologize you get uh for that but we will try to grab as many comments as we possibly can 
and uh, incorporate everybody, you guys, uh, any questions you guys have, and incorporate everybody into the show as much as humanly possible. Uh, Todd Ostendorf, Ian Harper, Dominique Martin, everybody joining in before the show, Kevin Gray as well, Dylan Von Arks doing his thing behind the scenes, helping moderate the chat. Thank you all for joining us here on a wonderful Friday night on Dove Valley Deep Divers. We definitely appreciate everybody's love and support. Now, Luke, your experience with uh, – the defensive side of the football, specifically on the offensive side, though, but your experience with the defensive side of the football and just in coaching in general, it was great to be able to have you take a look at a couple of games of this Broncos defense that Vance Joseph is going to be incorporating. Eric and I have had multiple different conversations trying to, to divulge what the secret is to the coverage scheme that uh, Vance Joseph likes to deploy. Mostly what we've figured out is it's a lot of cover one, a lot of cover three. There's some press man concepts in there as well. What did you see when you were watching this team and breaking down the film? Yeah, I think what's interesting is, you know, every every kind of NFL team these days uses pro football focus. And so kind of everything from a coverage family standpoint is an open secret. Um, I think it's Cody Alexander, uh, the match quarters guy on Twitter. Mm -hmm. um, he has like the coverage matrixes where he breaks everything down. Um, so I know just from that, you know, I can tell you, oh, the Cardinals ran, you know, the the third highest uh, percentage of, of cover three in the league, um, you know, and, and yeah, I think they do major in cover three. I think that's what they, they like to be able to do because it allows them to pull extra guys into the run fit. Um, you know, from a safety perspective um, and, and kind of, I think out of that, that was a think um, about like 46% was cover three. Um, and then about another 30% of that was middle of the field open coverages. So whether, whether that's quarters, whether that's cover two, whether it's some kind of hybrid version, um, you know, I, I think for the most part, what they want to be able to do is to play from a single high perspective, which allows them to get another safety into the fit. Cause at the end of the day, cover three, you know, you can do you can do pretty simple math. Um, you know, you take out the the free safety in the middle of the field. You take out both both corners on the outside. Eleven minus three is eight. That allows you to play eight guys with their first eyes on the run with them fitting the box. That's the benefit of cover three is no matter what, you can get eight run fitters. You're always going to have to have your free safety in the middle of the field deeper than the deepest. You're always going to have to have two corners on the outside playing the third. Um, that's that's the great thing about it um, because you're never putting a guy into a position where he has to play the run and also the pass as much. Um, you know, that's that's the flip side where, you know, in college, you see the quarter schemes of today. Um, I think college is really kind of a quarters world. Um, you know, it's 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 kind of I tell the quarterbacks, hey, you know, we live in a quarters world. This is kind of the quarters rules, um, you know, in quarters, your your two corners, they'll be out of the run fit for the most part. You know, you might have nine other guys in the run fit. Um, so that's just kind of the way that they they want to try and kind of scheme things up is to to try and play with eight guys underneath, um, you know, pull a safety like a Buddha Baker as someone who's going to come in and, and tackle in the run game and, and make some plays for them underneath. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. 
And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Yeah, real quick, we got Gary Palmer coming in with the $20 donation saying, Lance, Eric, and Luke, and Scott. Looking forward to the mock draft. Go Broncos. Thank you, Gary, for joining us. Thank you for the super chat. We appreciate that. Once again, Scott was not able to make it tonight. He's has some stuff with his family going on. So thank you, Gary, for joining us. We appreciate your support week in, week out. Now, before we jump into the mock draft here, um, when you watched the Vance Joseph defense, um, what you saw with what you saw, what is a couple like key pieces that you see or that you saw that you really need to you to run this scheme to its max what are those couple of pieces yeah i think one thing that they they had the cardinals have that puts them in a in a reasonable position just personnel wise i think within the scheme you know they play a four down front is it true four down personnel i don't think so um i think one of those guys is an outside linebacker i think they try and set the front as much as possible to put him away from having to put his hands on a tight end so that he doesn't have to kind of play through the tight end to the tackle. Um, I think one thing that really kind of makes this this scheme tick um, is really any any coverage in the NFL does anymore is you need a guy who can play in spaces your your overhang to the field. Now at the end of the day, you know when I say the overhang to the field, if you're on the left hash in college, you know there's a lot of space to your left or excuse me to your right. There's not as much space to your left into the boundary. In the NFL, there really is no such thing as a fielder boundary, right? Because the hashes are so much tighter, there's an equal amount of space to either side. But what I really mean by that field overhang, most teams are going to call them a Sam or a nickel, um, you know, that that kind of backer who plays to the passing strength as much as possible. Um, they had a guy in, in Isaiah Simmons who I think they, they really relied on to do a lot in space. Um, you know, I think in, in this day and age, people are trying to find that nickel corner. You know, Chris Harris Jr. is a guy who springs to mind as, as a guy who could play in the slot. And, you know, at the end of the day, certain coverage schemes, if you want to run man, you have to have a guy who can run with number two vertical. You have to have a guy who can cover slot receivers one on one, man on man. Um, you know, I think from what they structured the defense, Isaiah Simmons was a guy who they would move around and keep to the passing strength. He wasn't someone they wanted in the box. So in order to run that scheme, I think any scheme in defensive football, if you ever want to play man, you have to have a guy who can run with two vertical. Well, it's a good thing you actually mentioned that because getting over to the draft, there's a guy that both Lance and I are super high on. He is probably, he is without a doubt, the best coverage linebacker in this draft. He's not quite, you know, as versatile as Isaiah Simmons is. That's closer to um, the Clemson kid this year, whose name escaped me at the moment. Uh, Trenton um, Simpson. Trenton Simpson, thank you. But it's a guy out of, let me find it here on the thing. Uh, Dayon Henley? Dayon Henley. He happens to be on the board. 
So we're, when we're talking about trying to find guys that can fit the scheme or fit what or have what you need to have to run the scheme fully, that cover linebacker, the guy that you can sit there and trust that way, Denver doesn't really have that. They have a couple of physical run defenders who are solid in coverage in certain ways, but over the years, last year especially, both Alex Singleton and jo Josie Jewell got pulled into the slot and time and time again, and it didn't turn out well for the defense. Well, Dion Henley, he's a really he's a good athlete, but he's a little mm -hmm. bit smaller than a traditional linebacker in in the NFL. But he's got height and length, and that's something that the NFL game has kind of you know really expanded to getting that height, that length there in the middle of the field, and using that to shrink those windows, those over those over routes where you're trying to drop the ball behind the linebackers under the safeties. And Henley, I mean, he's sitting right there. We have the back to back picks. We're not doing any trades in this one. And honestly, like, there's a lot of great value in having these two back-to-back -back picks. Henley, for me, is a guy who sits with a mid-second-round grade. Mm -hmm. uh, I just love what he can bring to the coverage game. And this was, I mean, this was, without a doubt, is the way I would go at this pick. I'm not going to disagree with you in terms of the coverage ability, but Dayon Henley has some lack of ass in another way of uh, of playing in the running game. He doesn't take on blockers the right way, and he has some uh, – he struggles with the subtle nuances of things in terms of understanding his run fits and stuff like that. It's a coachable thing for sure, but him being, I believe he's a, a former safety that's moved forward just a little bit into the box and uh, has been just a, a great covers player, especially in, uh, in, in the pac 12 and some of those, those raid systems that you get. I like him a lot. There, uh, there's nothing that's going to like stop me from taking him here, but I want to just bring the full context of the, of the picture here with Deion Henley and him as a run defender is a very tricky situation with me, especially with the the amount of responsibility that Vance Joseph puts on his linebackers in the running game. Well, when you look at the defensive line that they have currently, their starting unit, it's going to be a strong run defense unit. It's going to be guys that are going to their their task is going to be keeping those linebackers clean so that they can flow with the play and you know shoot the gaps and have that space to make the play. Right now, it's DJ Jones, Mike Purcell, and Zach Allen. All three of them are great run defenders. Mm -hmm. So while you do have this concern with Henley, and obviously there's going to be times where he's going to get caught on blocks a little bit, the goal is going to be to try to keep him clean so he can make those plays. Mm -hmm. But again, the biggest thing is you still have Josie Jewell and Alex Singleton to play against the run. Henley is that guy that you got to bring in for the added coverage coverage of play and ability that you have to open up a little bit else that you want to do with this defensive scheme, especially against the quarterbacks that we play in the AFC West. So yeah. while it's an the run defense is an issue, I'm not super I, I'm not super worried about it because of he's bringing kind of that specialist that you need uh, with the coverage ability in the division that they're in. Right, and he's also super athletic enough to be able to turn and run with any linebacker, and he has enough length that he – or excuse me, I said linebacker, I meant tight end. He can turn and run with Travis Kelsey. He – not that Darren Waller's here anymore, but like he has the ability to turn and run with those bigger athletic guys and still have enough pop in his, in his body and enough length to be able to bang with some of those guys. So it's a great pick. I, I think the, the – pro game these days is interesting because it's evolving in a very different way in some regards than college. Um, in some ways it's similar, in some ways it's different. Um, in college, that guy who plays out extended over number two, in, in so many ways in terms of the run fits, we talk about RPOs and putting that guy in a run pass option conflict. 
teams are going to structure to get that guy out of the run fit. It's called gapped out, right? Is that guy gapped out where he's not in the run fit and he just has to pay, play pass? Now, what I think you'll kind of see teams start to do now in the NFL, even not necessarily playing RPO teams, but just realizing, hey, what defenders do we want to put in the run fit? What do we not want to put in the run fit? Again, at the end of the day, NFL NFL football coaches have, have forgotten more football than I'll probably ever know. Um, there's some very knowledgeable minds in the league. But one thing I think you'll kind of start to see is, is one thing that Joseph has used is the idea of like bonus flash fits. And basically what you, what you end up doing there is when you get any kind of split action from the tight end, whether it's counter, whether it's split zone, but if the tight end starts on one side of the formation, the ball is snapped and he goes across to block someone on the other side. When you do that, what the offense effectively does is take a gap from one side of the center and they add it to the other side of the center, right? They move a gap because at the end of the day, football players, if you have five offensive linemen on the field, you have six gaps, right? You have one either side of all of them. If you add a tight end, now you have seven gaps in the box. So the defense always has to bring an extra body in terms of the run fit than there is in the box. So when that tight end goes across, where do you move your gaps, right? Is it as simple as, okay, well, do you now insert a body back to where the tight end ends up? Or one thing I kind of saw them do on film is when that tight end goes back, Again, you get that overhang out of the run fit. You make sure he's not in the fit so that he can play two because two is more of an immediate threat. And now you pull the safety into the run fit as the backers fall back on the blocks. Um, that's one thing that I kind of think that you can play with that. If he's not a great run defender, you can get that guy out of the run fit. You can be creative because at the end of the day, are you going to have to fit a secondary player like a defensive back? Yeah, you absolutely are. We're talking about we're talking about seven gaps if there's a tight end going back in, in 11 personnel. Seven gaps minus four D linemen minus two box linebackers. You have to bring an extra fitter to the party. It doesn't always have to be that field overhang sand player. Yeah. Real quick, we got a five dollar donation from Kenny Abeta. Abeta. Sorry if I mispronounced that last name. I am terrible with pronouncing names correctly. <laughs> Said started watching mile high, started watching mile high huddle just a few months ago, but I love it. Thanks for the insight. Can't wait for the mock draft. Well, thank you for joining us. I think it's the first time that I've seen your handle yep. here. We appreciate you joining us. We appreciate the donation. Thank you so much, and uh, we hope you enjoy it too. And now, talk seeing seeing this going on in the chat a little bit. Talking about Vance Joseph. Um, I don't have high expectations for Vance Joseph as a defensive coordinator. But I firmly believe in giving the guy a chance. I'm not going mm -hmm. to sit here and say that he can't do it. Um, I mean, he is a bright football mind. He's a guy that's well-regarded in NFL circles, even though it hasn't all been great. And I think a lot of Bronco fans hold his time as a head coach against him, despite the fact that the defenses were actually pretty solid. He has mm -hmm. consistently, during his time in Arizona, fielded a good defense. They have been right around top 10, if not top 5, every single year pretty consistently outside of this last year where they dealt with a lot of injuries, they got really beat up and things just kind of fell off the fell apart completely on both sides of the ball. I think Vance Joseph, there's guys in there that they've, that Sean Payton's brought in to help take a little bit off his plate. There's, it's going to, there's a lot of bright minds there in Denver. Now, maybe he gets fired after this year. Maybe it all falls apart. Maybe he doesn't do great. We just don't know. And we can't say anything like that here on April 14th when, not even preseason, not even training camp, and they haven't even done anything on the football field yet. It's just been workouts. So mm -hmm. we got to give it a little bit of time here. Now, going back to the mock draft to get this going on, I, I think it's pretty simple that we lock in Henley here. I think the value yeah. the value with what he brings is just too good. Yeah. 
I agree with you 100% on that. And I want to pivot off of the the linebacker conversation here. And I'm like I like I said, I'm I'm 100% with you, Dayon Henley. I have a mid second round grade on him, despite the uh, the issues that he does show in the running game. There's just too much coverage upside for him, and you can move him around all over the formation. I think he's a valuable blitzer as well because he has some really good first step explosiveness. I want to go back to Luke here though, because we were talking a little bit earlier, and you really were singing this the praises of. Uh, um, Dang it! What's the Zach Zach Allen, uh, the the new defensive end that the Broncos just signed in free agency, and obviously with his familiarity familiarity with Vance Joseph in Arizona, it brings just a natural fit here. You were talking about just the way that they were going to line everybody up with that backside defensive end. So typically what you're going to look at is uh, wherever the tight end is going to move, you're going to put Zach Allen to that side to just have him blow up that tight end and just create conflict on the on that side. On the back side of that, I'm looking for a seven technique that plays with strength. A guy that has really good run defense ability and also has some burst to get after the pass rusher. The Broncos have a guy that's a great pass rusher in Randy Gregory, but there's also not a lot to work with there in the running game. Luke, what do the Broncos really kind of need to have on the back side of this defense away from where Zach Allen is at? And maybe is it more likely that they're going to line up Randy Gregory on the same side as Zach Allen to really force the issue in the passing game? Yeah, I think the big thing for that is I think Zach Allen, is he's, he's versatile enough that you can move him around a little bit. Um, I think he's a tremendous asset at defensive end. And I think he's someone that, you know, when you look at kind of a three and a half front, um, as I kind of jokingly called it earlier, you need a guy who's going to be able to play at defensive end that you can line up over a tight end and basically be able to um, to play that guy back through the tackle, right? Who has the strength to be able to play that. Because at the end of the day, if you get, you know, if, if you're playing that guy as an inside shade in the tight end, if you get power, like he's probably going to have to be able to deal with a double team at some point. Um, so he's got to be a little bit bigger. He's got to be a little bit thicker. Um, for me, I think when when you start talking about playing someone outside of him, um, that's where you kind of get into a, a quandary of what, what kind of front are we talking about? Um, you know, one thing that the Cardinals showed a couple times on film is the bear front right, where you cover up all five offensive linemen, um, the bare front is a challenge. It, it is something as an offensive coach that you always have to know, hey, what's our check if we get bare here? Hey, what's our solution to bare? Um, I could tell you probably the three best answers to bare, but at the end of the day, like the biggest issue is, hey, we've got, uh, you know, our center's covered, our two guards are covered, our tackles are covered. Uh, we can't create any double teams. Double teams are hard to create in the zone, in the zone run game. In the, in the, uh, kind of gap scheme run game it's kind of hard to pull a guard if there's a guy who's just sitting in that space that's a hard cutoff block for the tackle to make and now you basically dictated their protection in the passing game because when you play bear you've lined up five guys across from five and say well what are you going to do not block these guys with those five so you kind of lock them into some certain specific things um i think you can play bear as a change up and you can line up a guy like a Randy Gregory on the same side as Allen outside of him as a, as a walk-up. But I think more likely he plays opposite from him as a separate defensive end, just because really I think Allen's better as, as a D end. And at that point, if you want to play somebody outside of him, you're almost talking to kind of throw him as a, as a, like a three tech or kind of somebody on the interior. Now that's not to say he can't play there. Um, I think the cards use him pretty effectively. Um, they used him there as, as, kind of a pass rush guy. Um, you know, I think that's kind of the age old stereotype is you've got a guy who's a big physical strong, um, you know, I, I think back to like a Derek Wolf, like Derek Wolf was a guy who was a defensive end. 
um, you know, who would kick inside for pass rush um, when they brought kind of their pass rush package on the field. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I kind of see Allen as being more that um, that big kick-ass defensive end, um, and then that allows you to be able to to play kind of the not quite the size and power guy like him opposite, where that's kind of maybe more of an outside linebacker type body. Real quick, we have Michael Ronquillis coming in saying, happy birthday to the best quarterback in the NFL, Patrick Sertan. Uh, yeah, happy birthday to him. Um, happy birthday. Though I doubt he'll see this. Um, happens to share a birthday with my brother, too, which is interesting. I have a conversation going on real quick about centers, um, talking about how that there's no center that will be better than that we can draft that will be better than Kush this year. I strongly disagree with that. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think there's many options, though. And I mean, John Michael Schmitz, Joe Tittman, I think either one of them would be an immediate upgrade at the center position. Luke Whipler, maybe. Um, I think Ricky Stromberg would be a pretty solid option. And there's a couple other guys that I think as well could be, but it'll be more of a competition there. Uh, but anyways, going for this, talking about on that defensive side, that backside defender, there's a guy who I think can fit with that quite well, who could pair with Zach Allison or Zach Allen. Sorry, giving a bit of a hint there. Uh, Zach Harrison out of <laughs> Ohio State, improving that edge position, that ability to get after the quarterback, something that has been really hindered by the Broncos over the past couple mm-hmm. of years with trading away Von Miller, trading away Bradley Chubb. I know that there's some talk. Some people believe that the tight end or that the edge room is good. Um, and it's an edge room that could be really good. It's just that Randy Gregory can't stay on the field. Baron Browning has dealt with injury issues his first two years. What is uh, what is Nick Benito? He barely saw the field last year. And there were some decent flashes, but it, there wasn't any consistency toward the defensive coordinator last year. Took a shot at him and after a game saying that he still has a long way to go. Um, and now it's a, it's a new coaching staff there that's going to be working with him. Um, Jonathan Cooper's solid, but he is what he is. I think you got to add another piece into it because there's already t- there was talk this offseason about parting ways with Randy Gregory because he can't his inability to stay on the field. You got to find somebody. And Zach Harrison, I mean, a couple weeks ago when we did this uh, mock draft that we traded down, Zach Harrison was the guy I wanted. Zach Harrison, it's still the guy that I want. I think he's. Of the edge room, edge guys, of the guys that are expected, that are projected to be there when the Broncos pick, I think he is probably one of the best two or three fits for what the Broncos can use. I don't disagree with that. Like he's he's long, he's strong, he's physical, he's got good twitch, he's good in the lower half, he's a decent run defender, and you can see he has the tools and the traits to be able to to just improve there and become a really really good run defender. And to me. Even over Baron Browning and Nick Benito right now, he's a better edge defender in in the running game than either one of those two guys. So Zach Harrison, to me, uh, the obvious, obvious pick here at what is 68, I believe this is is the pick here. So, yeah, that's that's where I'm going. And if you walk away out of 67 and 68, filling a need at the linebacker position with a coverage linebacker that's versatile, you can use him as a blitzer as well. And then getting some edge depth, a guy that can like develop into a high end starter at the, at the next level, George Payton, again, doing magic here. Well, I guess this is Dove Valley deep divers doing the work here, but that's a great third round here. It really is. Um, where are we at here now, Eric? We're at, uh, we're in I can't, I can't, 109, right? Yes. And just a couple things. Um, pay attention to the names on the right side of the screen. What I did before we went live was I queued up a bunch of names of various players from different positions and everything. Instead of going, having to click through a bunch of positions, we just have a queue there ready for us. Um, 
and got a couple questions here. KB coming in saying, what's up, fellas? Are there any edge rushes that can fall to the later, later rounds but still perform highly at the NFL level like Elvis Dimerville or Terrell Suggs? Um, sure there are. I mean, every year there always seems to be one or two edge guys that get taken somewhere day three um, and just have a good impact in the NFL right away. The issue is, is that if you could predict that, then you're not drafting them in day three. You're drafting them yeah. earlier. So it's hard to say. There's a couple guys that I think could, you know, give give that kind of production. Um, but, I mean, in this edge class, there could be guys that I think should go in round three that could fall a little bit, that can fill that too. So yeah. it's impossible to say who it will be because, again, if you could, you'd just be taking them earlier. Um, a, and then talk – I just wanted to add on here really fast. There's a guy that I think is going to fall. Um, he's a speed rusher only, but I think that there's some upside in the running game. Uh, is coming off of a torn pectoral. He was a, a former four-star recruit, played at the University of Auburn in Eculeota. Uh, I really liked his tape. He's bursty. He's flashy. There's uh, He's got a good pass rush plan. Uh, decent spin move as well. Um, but the problem is the Broncos already have a bunch of speed rushers and Randy Gregory, Baron Browning and Nick Benito. They need a guy that's a better run defender. And that's where Eku Leota really struggled. I thought that they're like, he plays to his length really well, but like, it, it's not a big strength of him in is playing against the run. It, it's an, a player to look out for, especially with the high pass rush upside that you have. And maybe if you're looking to move on from Randy Gregory after the season and Baron Browning doesn't develop, that's a flash in the pan guy that you can just have a day three dart throw on. And I'm, I'm kind of high on his upside. Yeah. And Todd comes in saying Tipman and Whipple are probably going to be gone well before Denver picks. If they fall, then sure. Take one of them. Um, Joe Tipman, I agree with Joe Tipman's mm -hmm. kind of projected to go somewhere in the second round. Um, and the issue with projections, they don't always fall come true. Luke Whipple, he's a guy that seems to be higher in uh, media and on Twitter and everything than in NFL teams. Um, a lot of highly ranked or highly um, viewed uh, draft analysts out there, Dane Brugler at the Athletic, uh, Lance Zierlin, Um, A lot of those guys are saying late round three, early day three round, like so round four for Luke Whipler. Um, I think he'll be there when the Broncos are on the board. I don't think he's an ideal scheme fit. I think he's much more of a zone guy. And we're going to be seeing more power. I mean, just looking at what they're doing, what they did with the running back position, um, Perrine and Jones, those are big, powerful backs. They brought in Ben Powers, who's a power guy. So they're, they're going that way. They're going with that gap offense. Mm -hmm. Whipler is not the best fit for that, but he can work. He's got enough of a football IQ. Um, there's enough power there that you can make it work. So he's one of the centers that I think can come in and start right away. But talking about that, trying to upgrade the center position, this is a good point. I mean, here is I'm looking at cornerback and offensive line. Now, Luke, um, with the, the work that you've done on Vance Joseph defense, what kind of cornerback should we be looking at here? Yeah, I think it's kind of an old old stereotype here in, in football, but you know you need corners that can tackle. Uh, you need corners that can be physical because at a certain point, the corner is going to have to tackle. You can kind of scheme around that a little bit and make sure that when he does tackle, it's in a very specific way. But at a certain point, he's going to have to be physical and he's going to have to tackle and he's probably going to have to set the edge. Um, one thing I saw, which was 
again, I guess not like a full surprise, but a little bit of a surprise um, was blitzing corners um, and kind of using that as an opportunity, especially against kind of some of those tight splits that you get in the NFL um, of just kind of trying to be able to, to sneak that guy and, and get a quick blitz out of him. Um, you know, so someone that you could theoretically, you know, be able to blitz and kind of use to set the edge of the defense that way, but also someone who's going to be able to tackle, move in space. Um, I don't see, uh, I don't see them playing a ton of man necessarily based on kind of what I saw from the Cardinals. Um, I know they had that at like 10% or so of the, of the overall breakdown. Um, I think it's more a guy who you trust, who can play cover three, who can play quarters for you, who's going to come up and tackle um, and who, you know, you're going to be able to rely on to set the edge and, and blitz him from time to time just to keep him excited. That makes a lot of sense. And the Broncos have a pair of cornerbacks right now that are actually pretty physical tacklers. I mean, Pastor Tan, there's some times where he'll like dodge contact and whatnot. And we have some issues with him personally, but uh, uh, with, uh, damn it, what the hell is his name? I'm drawing a blank big time. Damari Mathis. Mathis. Yes, Damari Mathis. I really like his ability in, in the running game. And Luke, I wrote an article um, and you went, you and I kind of went back and forth and, and was talking about it. Uh, the a film breakdown that I did on Damari Mathis, it, I believe it was after the uh, the Chargers game. Anyways, um, both of those two are quality tacklers. Behind those guys, though, you've got Kwan Williams, who fits really well in the slot. He's a good tackler as well. But Aseng Bassi, bad tackler. Michael Ojemudi is not around anymore. They've got some severe depth concerns. And I like the the cornerback value that we have on the board, specifically in, in three guys right now. You've got Garrett Williams, who I just did a scouting report on, and it should be up here in the next uh, probably 24 hours, I do believe. Um, Darius Rush out of South Carolina, who I really like his physicality, and Tyreek Stevenson out of Miami. Both of those, all three of those guys are quality and press. They can, uh, they, they can play up close to the line of scrimmage. Um, they're, they're very physical in their press. They're very physical as tacklers. Uh, good fluidity for the most part in open space, except for Tyreek Stevenson, who looks like he's stuck in the mud most of the time. But those are three guys that I'm looking at. Eric, what do you think? Um, I'm not looking at any of them. <laughs> if I'm looking at, if I'm looking at, if I'm looking at cornerback, I'm looking at Cameron Mitchell or Corey Trice. Okay. Earlier, Luke was talking about cover three. Corey Trice is a ready-made cover three corner. He's physical, dude, six foot three, two hundred and like five pounds. Carries the weight will weight well. He's got some, you know, fluidity in his hips, though he's not overly fluid. He's only missed like um, a handful of tackles in his career, um, four of them total in his career. Um, he's of tackles that he missed. His tackling technique is extremely clean. He's a good athlete, um, not the most versatile, but he's a he's a boundary guy that you can just put out there. He's got solid press, the physicality. He knows his run fills. He's a smart player. He's just uh, he's a plug and play guy really in this defense. And if you want somebody who can compete with Damari Mathis, well, there you go. The other guy is Cameron Mitchell, who not as big. He's only five foot eleven, sub two hundred pounds. I think he's like one ninety five at the combine. He's a guy that he can play nickel or boundary. He's got scheme versatility. It doesn't matter if it's zone coverage or man coverage. He can do it. Um, he's a great fit for this. He's a guy that can compete with Damari Mathis for the starting job this year. If not, well, then you can sit here and if you view him more as a nickel, you can sit there and you can work on developing him while providing, you know, depth on the boundary and in the slot upgrading over a song Bassey and develop him to take over from Quan Williams. Who's on the last year of his deal. Those guys, I think bring a lot more versatility. Tyreek Stevenson. It's a guy who it's either you're upgrading your third boundary corner or you're either way. Um, 
the the couple other guys, Darius Rush, he's a guy who I think that he's he's a good fit for what the Broncos want to do. Sometimes his physicality gets him in trouble. It can lead to some missed tackles. And the the third name you uh, mentioned, Garrett Williams, is a guy who um, actually has been – well, no, not not only that. He's been linked with the Broncos with Mike Kliss, but it was noteworthy. Mike Kliss said safety with Garrett mm-hmm. Williams, not cornerback. Yep. Very clearly safety, and that is a guy that a lot of people are projecting to move back into a safety position in the NFL just because of the injury concerns and just how he sees the field a little bit better working farther away from the line of scrimmage. Well, and he's he's so good crashing towards the line of scrimmage too. That dude is a heat-seeking missile as a tackler. I didn't see a whole lot of missed tackles on his tape. Uh, there's some fluidity, fluidity concerns with him playing off, so there's uh, some issues there. Uh, but for the most part, like I really like just the way that he is so – so violent when he when he approaches to the ball carrier he brings his arms really well he's just an all-around solid tackler and i also have some concerns here at the safety position as well so i like the versatility that he plays with i think that you can play him on the outside if you want to play him as a cornerback but you can play him as that safety crashing down as that overhang safety a little bit and to me that's why i like him so much for this broncos team the biggest problem i have though is i don't know if i'm taking him in the top 150 because he's coming off of a torn acl and that's a, that's a problem. Like that torn ACL, he suffered it late in the season. So you've got to worry about him getting back to uh, be able to play as a rookie if he's going to be able to even play as a rookie. And if not, you're missing out on a full season on a draft class that you don't have very many assets in. So that's the biggest concern to me is just that that injury and some of the um, some of the fluidity issues in open space. Yeah. Look, I also do you have anything? I also haven't seen Corey Trice yet, so I'm not going to speak to him. Anything that you want to add, Luke? No, not really. I, I think kind of like I said, the, the big thing is within this defense that uh, eventually things are going to get knocked out to most likely a safety, um, but it'll be a corner from time to time as well. And you got to have guys who are going to tackle, guys who are going to come up and be physical. Again, I don't think – I don't think you're going to need to to play man too much within this defense. I just don't see that being something that they want to major in consistently. So is it a guy who's going to be able to to play off, be able to shuffle, um, stay on top in either three or four, and, and be willing to come down and hit at the same time? Yep. So, chat. Which way? Which way should we go? I I, I kind of lean Mitchell or Trice here, and obviously, Lance, you lean Tyreek Stevenson, who I'm not overly sold on. Um, Darius Rush wouldn't be too terrible of a pick. And then Garrett Williams for me, I mean, if we're taking him as a safety, then sure. But like you, I'm not sure I'm taking him in top 150 at the moment. Well, I think the big thing with me with Tyreek Stevenson is the fact that he is so physical and press man. And when things get crazy, the third and long situations where Vance Joseph does like to bring some exotic blitzes up front, he does like to play a, a lot of press coverage up on with his cornerbacks on the boundary. So to me, that's a that's a big boost with Tyreek Stevenson, which is why I'm so keen on the Broncos bringing him into this role. So that's that's a big reason why I want to go there. I do actually like the, the idea quick. of going with. Just, I just want to throw this out. Name. Go ahead, go ahead. Just with, throw this out there real quick, because Stevenson, this dude has a career missed tackle percentage of seventeen point one. Wow! With twenty six missed tackles over four years, fifteen of which in the last two. Just mm-hmm. something worth out there, and he can be quite grabby. He's gotten hit with quite a few penalties in it. Something that Corey Trice doesn't quite hasn't quite had. Right. On the flip side of it, though, going back to Corey Trice, the other guy I had. 
I will say there are times where his demeanor and run support isn't great. And but he's got really good ball skills. And so you just want to improve that demeanor as a run defender and have him be a little bit more consistent consistent there. Right. Let's let's go with Trice on this one just to get another name. Uh it's one that we haven't really talked a lot about. We've talked about Tyreek Stevenson a lot. We've talked about Garrett Williams a lot. Corey Trice is one that I, I'm in, intrigued. I'm going to go take a look at him later, uh, later this afternoon or this evening, and and get a better idea about him. So thank you for pointing his name out to me. Where are we at here, Eric? What what pick are we at? One second, let me clean up the queue a little bit. We are at pick 141 in the fifth round. Okay. And again, talking a lot about centers. Well, mm-hmm. there's a couple centers here that I think could be an immediate upgrade over, um. Overloid Cushionberry in Oluwatimi, who I think that he's, I don't think he's super far ahead of Cushionberry, but I think with his football IQ, he's easy to plug in there and play. And then Alex Forsyth, again, his, his, his demeanor, his nasty attitude, something that Lloyd Cushionberry kind of lacks. Um, there's times where he kind of backs down to power a little bit um, and just is a little bit complacent. I think Alex Forsyth, you don't have that concern about it really bright kid um did in the mental testing that they do at the combine word is he was one of the guys who scored the highest on among the offensive line among the centers specifically um he's a guy that he can fit what the broncos want to do for and it doesn't matter like he's got enough power he's got enough lateral agility he can just fit if the broncos want to go away and they get that home run hitting running back to take advantage of that they worn down the defense and they want to go to run some outside zone well, he could fit in with that. Oluwa Timmy, for me, is a little bit more uh, clunky with his movement, um, mm-hmm. with his lateral agility getting out there inside. So Alex Forsyth, I mean, that's a way to go. If you want to consider moving Quinn Miners inside, then you can look at somebody like Anthony Bradford or Anton- or Antonio Maffi or McClendon Curtis. Those guys, they fit the screen extremely well, but they're guards. And they're guys that you can plug a guard, but it just depends. Do you want to move Quinn Miners inside? At this point, I'm fine leaving him where he's at. Well, and we talked about this last week, and Luke, I I want you to jump in here if you if you're uh, if you have anything that is objectionable to what I'm saying here. Uh, and Buckham Hard coming in here saying Alex Forsyth 100. I I'm 100 with Buckham Hard and with Eric here. Alex Forsyth Forsyth is the guy that I really like because his hands are so active and they're so accurate. When you snap the football, we talked about it like. How is it such a transition from sliding to guard into center? Well, because you've never done it before. Snapping the football is an art, whether it's in shotgun, whether it's under center, snapping the football, getting your hand between your legs, handing the football off to the quarterback, and then getting your hands back up accurately and with power is something that's so hard to do. And Alex Forsyth has incredible hands. He's got great punch. He's got great lower lower, uh, lower body power. He extends really well. He it gets his hands out. He moves guys off the spot very well in the, in the running game. And like you said, he has a lot of lateral agility where he can actually get, I guess not lateral agility, but lateral, lateral mobility where he can clear his hips, get up to the second level, and run some inside zone stuff. Timmy is straight power. Like you need to have him ver- moving vertically and that's it. So Forsyth to me is 100% the pick here. Yeah, all I'd really chip in is just I think that one thing we don't always kind of give enough credit to when it comes to centers is just how complex, you know, NFL protection schemes are. 
Um, there's going to be teams that run kind of NFL style protection schemes in college. And there's also going to be guys who, you know, run in a real simple five, six, maybe seven man protection scheme in college. Um, so I think, I think NFL protection schemes as much as anything else is a big adjustment for an offensive lineman, especially a center to have to adjust to, um, is, is all to me, is that the, um, is that the Michigan kid? Yeah. 55. Okay. Yeah. I know who he is. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think at the end of the day, like when it comes to centers, I think being able to adjust to an NFL style of protection checks and calls is is a big adjustment. All right. So, Alex Forsythe, that's the – we got the chat and that. That's the way we go? Yeah, it, I, I think that's pretty much where we need to go with that one. It, we're both on board with that, and we've got a, got a name, in, uh, name saying the same thing here. Oh, I, I see a name at the bottom. There's a couple of names at the bottom of your this list the, that are still available. This is the final pick. So, oh, th- there's too much value here. The the second name down or the second name up from the bottom. Tyler Scott. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not name. going Tyler Scott. I like. It's the same <laughs> thing. We do this every year with mock draft simulators. Guys always tend to fall, or they have them extremely low. Um, Tyler Scott's a guy who he's in conversation for the Broncos at 67, 68. Mm-hmm. Like I know he's there in the mock draft and everything. Maybe there's something there, you know, injury wise, character wise, that sees them fall this far. But let's let's stick with somebody. Let's try to find somebody who we can actually see realistically being there. Tyler Scott, he was a guy that I wanted to mention a little bit earlier with the six or um, sixty-seven or sixty-eight. Um, but we just focused in on linebacker because of the value there and an mm-hmm. edge. Um, mm-hmm. So just. I'm going that way. And at this point, there's other names that we we can actually go and look through the positions as well. Right. Well, I, just quickly on Tyler Scott here. And I was listening to a podcast. It was uh, Trevor Sikama and Connor Rogers over at Pro Football Focus. They uh, have their new uh, the NFL Stock Exchange podcast. They did their final wide receiver rankings. And they both had Tyler Scott within the top 10, firmly a second round pick. So there's the the, the disclaimer on that. Regardless, they both said the exact same thing, and I'm going to agree with them on this wide receiver class. I am so tired of watching these tiny, small-ass wide receivers run around all over the field. Like, that's what you have. That Everybody is small. Everybody is fast. Everybody has good hands. But you don't know how to project them because there's, like, what do you do with a guy that's 5'10", 185 pounds? Like, do you play him on the boundary with bad ball skills? Like, is he a straight go-route guy? Because Tyler Scott's not a great route runner. He also has some drop issues in his past. Like, that, there's a problem here. I'm tired of watching these small receivers. The guy right below him, though, Bryce Ford Wheaton, who increased his jump ball versatility, increased his contested catch situation, is also six foot three, 218 pounds, and runs a 4.3840. That's a guy that I'm very intrigued by because he brings a different skill set to this Broncos receiving core. Did I break Luke, up? Do you have, no, I was waiting to see if Luke had anything to add on that. I mean, D3 football is all small, fast wide receivers. So I really, like, you're, you're right up my alley here. There's not much to say there. I, I think ultimately at the end of the day, like I, I, I can't speak to the film itself of, of any one of these guys. Cause I'm not, I'm not the draft, draft experts. You guys are. Um, it, it strikes me that a guy who's six, three two eighteen and who can run a 40 like that, um, that feels like a project pick because if that guy is still on the board right now, there's probably a reason. And that reason is probably he's not a finished product as a football player. Do those so, guys, when they, when they go in the first round, are they always the finished product? No, you get like, what was the kid? Kevin White, who was a big, tall dude who could run fast. Like, 
Sure. If they're if they show that they could be pretty good at football, they'll go early. If they show, hey, they have a long way to go before they're anything, they go late. So I was gonna say, go ahead. I was gonna say, like you were with us when the year Kevin White came out, right? Yeah. You're, yeah. yeah, That's Bryce Ford Wheaton right there. He's Kevin White. He's just not as good of a version of Kevin White when they were in the NFL. And I believe they're from the same school. Wasn't Kevin White a West Virginia kid? Yeah, yeah, Bryce Ford Wheaton is a West Virginia kid. Like they're yeah, the same. That's player. kind of why my mind went there. <laughs> who was the Who was the Auburn guy? Who this happened? Didn't the Broncos draft an Auburn guy a couple of years ago? Who was a big yeah, receiver? Uh, Seth Williams. Seth Williams. Seth Williams. I, I I think you see these every year. Like I really do. Um, like it's this is one of those things that we kind of have talked about. You know, from time to time is like. I think at a certain point when you're an NFL wide receivers coach and you're getting towards the end of the draft, you say, Hey, give me the big dude who can run fast. And I, you know, I believe in myself and my abilities as an NFL wide receivers coach to develop this kid into something that's going to contribute. Um, you know, it's a late round pick. It's a flyer pick, you know, give me, give me the guy, you know, I'll, I'll work my magic. He's an athlete. Um, you know, is he a finished product? No, but you know, it's, it's the late, late in the draft, man. These are where you take your flyers. And there's another guy here that, of the same size that the Broncos have actually brought in for a or for brought in for a visit out of Arkansas, Matt Landers. He's another guy. He's six foot four, 200 pounds. He's got a good build on his frame, but he is a little bit lanky because at six foot four, 200 pounds, you're going to be a little bit lanky. Um, but with these guys, I mean, you have the same issue with Bryce Ford Wheaton, you have the issue with Tyler Scott. Drops are an issue now. Tyler Scott, really quick since you mentioned it he's got the cleanest hands of these three receivers that we're talking about his drop rate is only about 10 percent, 10.7 percent in college i think it is whereas it's like over 15 percent or closer to 15 percent for um for uh matt landers for bryce ford wheaton it's sitting about 12 percent um so and at this point i mean drops are going to be an issue that you have um so matt landers is one Dante Demis Jr., if you want to take a guy who's had some injury issues, who I've heard multiple people talk about how if he if he wasn't as banged up as he was throughout college, then he's a guy that you're probably hearing his name called in somewhere day two, so round two, round three. Um, that could be worth a shot here. There's also running backs, Deuce Vaughn. If you want mm-hmm. to take a shot on a guy who's historically small for a running back, standing at five foot five. And just a little over 170 pounds, um, and his build is his—he's got a lean build too. Deuce Vaughn. I mean, if you want a home run threat, like you can take a shot on him. If you want to take an d- option on a developmental tackle, well, you've got John Ojoku, you got Richard Garage. Those are options as well. So there's plenty of ways that we can go. It's just a matter of figuring out which way it is. Tight what ends. Other, we can look at tight ends. I was to say, what other running backs are available, and what tight ends are available right now? So running backs, I took a quick look through it earlier. Um, Eric Gray is a guy who I think mm-hmm. will go higher mm-hmm. than this. Um, he's a receiver, though. Like He's more receiver than running back for me at the NFL level. Um, just catches the ball so well. He runs routes better than a lot of receivers do in the NFL. Keaton Mitchell, he's another guy. He's like five foot seven, five foot eight, and like 160 pounds. Um, but he's got explosive speed. And mm-hmm. anytime he has the ball in his hands, he's a threat to take it all the way. Muhammad Ibrahim, he's a little, he doesn't have that, you know, that long speed to consistently take the the, the ball and, you know, take it to the distance. Um, but injuries are the bigger concern. The dude's knees are just completely messed up. Earlier in the draft process, talking with people about him a little bit after the combine, 
a lot of them are concerned he'll make it through a four-year rookie contract. Like they just don't think mm-hmm. he will because of how shot his knees are. Well, Outside he, of that, there's not much. Also, there's go ahead. He's also 24 years old right now. Like he's an yeah. older prospect as well at the running back position. So you're you're looking for a, a day three dart throw with age and injury concerns. He's a very good running back. He's physical. He's got some speed. He's a, a great pass catcher, good route runner out of the backfield. Pretty much the entire package that you want. And if he was healthy and 21 years old, he'd be talking about as like probably running back two in this class. But there's just so many concerns with him that you you have to take that that late day three dart throw and hope that he makes it through that four-year rookie contract because high injury risk concern and it's the running back position. They get beat up, so. Now, Luke, as a former, you know, as an offensive-minded coach, um, how how important do you think it is for NFL teams, especially now, when they're sitting there and they're building up for you know just physical football on the offensive side of the ball, physical offensive line running a lot of gap, physical running backs, how important do you think it is to add somebody with that explosive? A playmaking ability at the position because one thing I've noticed as I'm you know catching up and hearing things about it is that a lot of the running backs the Broncos have been linked with fit that same kind of mold of that power aspect of it and not so much the explosive side of it. So how how important do you think it is to have that mixture there? I think there's kind of a little bit of a misconception in football these days that like if you run a power offense, what you really need is a big slow plodding running back. I think explosiveness translates no matter the scheme. If you do have a dude who's going to read inside zone and when the linebacker, you know, commits to the gap, he cuts off of that and bang goes 80 for a touchdown. Is that really any different than the guy who follows the pulling guard makes the, you know, makes the linebacker wrong on how he takes on the block, makes a cut and goes for 80 yards. I think explosive is explosive. Um, I think, you know, I think you can be a small undersized back and run a power or gap scheme effectively. Um, I think you can be a big slower back and run inside zone effectively. Um, I think, I don't think there's any one model specifically for success. Um, For me, when I, when I evaluate running backs as a recruiter, one thing that always jumps out to me is lateral agility. Like, is he a guy who has some lateral move um, who's going to be able to jump cut and be able to be able to refine his balance and refine his explosiveness? Um, You know, maybe when he's off his platform, right. Where, when he kind of has to adjust laterally, can he put it, put his foot in the ground and get north and south. Um, So for me, you know, that's one thing that I don't even think size or anything like that matters. I think explosiveness matters and I think lateral agility matters. So listening to you. Go ahead, Eric. Go ahead. Sorry. Sorry. No, go ahead. What about vision is is a great question. Yeah, vision is important. Um, you know, you, I, I think you can you can go out, uh, you know, and, and kind of list any one of the qualities and say, oh, is this important? Um, to be honest with you, when I evaluate high school tape of running backs, half the high school, you know, football teams in this country have not heard of a tight angle of film, right? From the from the O line, D line, linebacker perspective. So for me, vision is not as important because I'm working off of a kid whose only film as a running back is from the wide. I can't see what he's seeing. I can just see is this a guy who can move laterally, who can be physical, who can finish, who can be explosive. Um, you know, so so for me, that doesn't matter as much because I don't have the all 22 on these kids, man. Um, sometimes I'm la- lucky to have like the all 10 because um, <laughs> you get some real like parents with a phone in the stands, you know, filming junior. Um, so, you know, vision matters. Uh, I think that's crucial for success. Um, for me as a recruiter, when I evaluate, that's not as big of a deal, to be honest with you guys, which is as much a byproduct of what I what I have to work with. 
as much as anything. Um, I do think vision matters. Uh, I think really kind of, you know, another thing that's really undersold, that's really kind of undervalued is balance. Is he a guy who's going to be able to, to keep his balance, to be able to, you know, work a stumble drill and still be explosive as he kind of goes through traffic or kind of a shifting landscape? Yeah, real quick, Todd Ostendorf, what about Keely Ringo? Um, Keely Ringo's out of Georgia, or and he's a big athlete pl- pretending to be a corner currently. Yeah. Um, so that's Keely Ringo. Um, he's a guy that's projected to go in the second round because I think Luke touched on it either earlier in the show or before we went live, and it's something that I've said on here a lot. You take athletes because coaches are stubborn and think they could turn athletes into football players. Co- coaches uh, aren't stubborn. They're good at their job. We're good at our job, man. We got we got to have something. Don't give right. me the stiff non-athletes, man. I, I want to work with the best. Now, yeah. going back going back to this, I think after hearing Luke talk about it, the lateral agility, the explosive ability, being able to translate no matter the scheme, Deuce Vaughn, I have serious concerns about his size. Dude is 5'5". Five five. He's about the size of my wife. Um, and so, like, I got concerns about that and his body being able to hold up. But, you know, at Kansas State, their running scheme was very heavy in the gap stuff that we're going to be seeing mm-hmm. in Denver. And he did well. And he's small, and he can make himself smaller through the tackles. And he's got instant acceleration. Dude's an athlete. Dude's got the lateral agility. He's got good vision. He doesn't leave yards on the field. He is so hard to bring down. And I hate doing this, but or hate mentioning this, but look what Sean Payton did with Darren Sproles. Now, Darren yeah. Sproles was, was a little bit thicker than Deuce Vaughn is, but that's how you're looking at trying to make Deuce Vaughn work in this game. You're going to wear down that defense. You're going to throw him out there, and you're going to try to catch him with him getting in space and making a play happen. Deuce Vaughn, for me, is the is definitely the pick here. I, I'm I'm glad you mentioned Sproles because I was about to just as like I know we talked about Ford Wheaton and you know Kevin White as both being West Virginia receivers, you know Deuce Vaughn and Darren Sproles are both K State running backs. I yep. I firmly agree with that. I firmly agree yep. with that. And and a, a big part of Deuce Vaughn's game that is so underappreciated is not only his his vision, but his ability to create. Like if you watch the Big 12 championship game, it was Kansas State versus uh, TCU. There's literally a play where an edge defender is extended out and a tackle is extended out, and Deuce Vaughn runs between them. He is small and shifty and creative and has great vision. He runs between two players that are locked and locked out, extended against each other. So much fun. He's also a really good receiver out of the backfield. Like this kid's really yeah. fun to watch. He's physical too for a guy as small as he is. He actually runs with his pad with like he runs behind his pads. He, he dumps his head down a little bit too often, but for the most part, he just is a, a an overall quality player. And like Eric said, like Luke said, Darren Sproles, man, that like that's the profile for this kid. He is low key Darren Sproles out of the backfield. This is a really fun pick. I will say there are two concerns with him. Well, one concern, another concern with him besides that. He's only fumbled twice. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a huge, like, that's a fantastic, that's an elite fumble rate that he has. But the issue is, part of the reason why it's elite, he has almost 900 touches in college. Mm-hmm. Um, or sorry, 800. Um, that that's there on the high end that teams are looking for. That's a lot of miles on the tire on the tires, especially for the type of running back that he is. I mean, 800, 750 to 800 now is about the max teams are looking for. Um, but again, I mean, you're taking a guy, we're talking about six round explosive playmaking ability. He's played 
like over almost 3000 snaps in his career or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, just consistently out there on the field, hasn't been banged up and just holds on to the ball. Like despite the issues of the miles on his tire at the sixth round, that's a risk that I think is worth taking. Well, and another thing about him is you, when you watch him run the football, even when he runs between the tackles, he never takes like that big shot. Like there's never a, a time where he just gets absolutely blown up in the hole because he's so low to the ground. He's so compact and so tiny that whenever he does, like he doesn't have a, a whole lot of like physicality running through anybody. Like he'll duck, dump, dump his shoulders down and, and, and fight through the contact, but he's not a guy that's just going to go out there and go like ram heads with anybody. He understands he's small. He understands it being a smaller player, you're going to take some bigger hits and you never see that on his tape. Like, I don't, I don't recall any time where him being as small as he is, where he really got lit the hell up by anybody that he played against in the big 12. Not at all. So like he understands how to play the game as well. Being a smaller guy, he's been small his entire life. That's a a big question with Bryce young out of Alabama. He's been small his entire life. That's the biggest concern with Bryce young. With Deuce Vaughn, he's been small his entire life. He knows how to play as a small player. So I, I like yeah. that about him. He understands football and how to play it. Before we get to recapping this, we only got a few minutes left here. Uh, Tim Dura asks, how does Deuce stack up to someone like Philip Lindsay? Um, Philip Lindsay is, I mean, Deuce Vaughn, as a prospect here, we can't talk about NFL career because Deuce Vaughn has never played in the NFL yet. Deuce Vaughn is far more explosive. Philip Lindsay has this weird misconception about him from Broncos fans who think he was this great receiver explosive back. He wasn't. He was a small back that had good burst, but the long speed wasn't great. He had good agility to make people's miss, but there's a reason why he's no longer in the NFL. Um, and that could happen with Deuce Vaughn. Deuce Vaughn's explosive. He's got, He, I mean, he's not He's not quite as thick as Philip Lindsay um, is, but He's just he's a significantly better prospect than someone like Philip Lindsay. Mm-hmm. And then um Facebook user Denver needs a third third down back, not a scat back. Um pretty sure this is Jody, but if it's not, just let us know. Um we can't see it because of settings that you have on Facebook. For me, anyways, and Lucas, this is something that you could touch on for a little bit. I think that the way the NFL has evolved a little bit is Someone like Deuce Vaughn, scat backs really aren't a thing, so to speak, anymore. Um, Deuce Vaughn, he's got enough there. Like He's not a big, powerful guy, but you can use him on first and second down. You can use him between the tackles. You can like He's not a scat back. Um, for me, scat backs are guys that they're just more of a receiver-only, third-down option um, who can offer up a little bit running style to him, and that is definitely not Deuce Vaughn. Um, and understandably so as Tim Dirk comes and asks how his blocking is he's not a good blocker like if he's out there on third down it's going to be he's going to be working as a receiver he's not going to be kept into block if you're keeping somebody into block you're going to Perrine you're going to Jones or Javante Williams whenever he comes back you're, you're not going to be having the five foot five hundred and seventy five pound running backs and they're trying to block the six foot four two fifty pound two sixty pound Miles Garrett or Max Crosby or whoever just not going to happen. Now, Luke, maybe you can touch on a little bit about the whole scat back thing and the NFL and just in general. 
Yeah, I think as much as anything else, when it comes to running backs, they've got to be able to to function within pass protection, not only from a talent and an ability standpoint, but also a mental standpoint. We talked about protection being complicated for centers. It's also not easy for running backs, right? They've got to be able to to understand the the protection. They've got to understand who their keys are, who they're working to, and they've got to be able to get there and they've got to be able to execute the block. So I think there's a lot of kind of different things that that fall into that, right? There's kind of a couple different um, aspects to it overall. Um, you know, I, I think, like you said, scat backs, I don't really see kind of being as much of a thing anymore. Um, you know, the flip side is I think you can do some things protection wise to slide the offensive line to the threat, right? Where is the blitz threat coming from? Um, where, where are they trying to bring the pressure from so that the running back looks opposite that, right? So that he is not taken on your defensive ends that you keep your big on big, you play your O-line on your, you know, against the D-line and now, the most he has to pick up is a blitzing mic. That's still a challenge. That's still one of the hardest blocks in football, in my opinion, is a running back meeting a blitzing linebacker in the A-gap is tough. Mm-hmm. You've got to have a certain specific mindset to be able to do that at any level. Um, but I think you can kind of – you can scheme around that a little bit, um, yeah. you know, that if he's in protection that you that you give him, frankly, the least challenging block if you need to. And yeah. one thing I will say is, well, he won't hold up, he's going to give it his all. That, that's mm-hmm. one thing that stood out. He gives it his all as a blocker, and sometimes that extra second that you can have of just being in the way can be enough when you're blocking as a running back. But yeah. also, as mentioned, is even though like it would be a little bit of a tell that he's out there on the field, he's going to be used as a receiver, you can still scheme things, as Luke talked about, to cover that up. And if you want to keep a running back in or at least keep the defense guessing a little bit, well, then you can go to Samaj Perrine, who does bring that receiving ability and blocking ability that you can kind of have that mixture in there for. So it's, it's important to have blocking blocking for the running back position is one of the things I look for as it is with receivers, but with Deuce Vaughn, with the type of player he is, I'm willing to overlook it a little bit. Also being in the sixth round here, willing to overlook it a little bit because of what Denver can do can make up for it. Now, let you had a couple of comments you wanted to grab real quick. We only got about three minutes before we got to get out of here. Yeah, I just wanted to grab a couple of comments before we get out of here, guys. We got Phil McLaughlin jumping in here as he always does late in the uh, towards the end of the show. Great show tonight, Lance, Eric, and Luke. Really enjoyed listening to all the knowledge on these draft prospects. Hashtag Buckham, hashtag Go Broncos. Um, we also have Michael Ronquillo as he customarily does at the end of the show, throwing some stars around. Great show tonight, Lance, Eric, and Luke on Dub Valley Deep Divers. Go Broncos and Buckham. And thank you all. Thank thank you everybody for joining us tonight. We really appreciate that, Eric. Go ahead and run us through. Give us a quick breakdown, everybody, on how this mock draft uh, ended up, and we'll get out of here. Yeah, so with the with pick 68 in the mock, it's actually pick 67 due to the forfeiture of the Miami pick. Um, we took Diane Henley, the linebacker, coverage linebacker out of Washington State, somebody that you're going to have to work around a little bit in the with the run defense, but, hey, you got linebackers to help do that, and really it's a focus of you got to improve your coverage ability from the linebacker position. Um, you got – uh, Zach Harrison with pick 68, you know, improving the edge ability, setting the edge, run defense, getting after the quarterback. That's something else that was pretty big there. Corey Trice, big corner, you know, somebody who can compete with Damari Mathis right away um, for that starting job, at least upgrading the number three corner boundary corner spot. You got Alex Forsyth, somebody who can come in and I think has enough to start right away as a center in the scheme but can compete with, at the very least, compete and push Lloyd Cushenberry, potentially replacing him next year. And then the explosive running back do spawn out of it. And Jody comes in with the, in the six, Chris Rodriguez would be awesome. No, he wouldn't because Chris Rodriguez is bad and he fumbles a lot. 
Yes, it, like one fumble every 68 carries, I believe it is in college. Like it, it's ridiculously high for Chris Rodriguez fumbling the football. It's it, no hard, hard pass. Uh, Luke, anything else you want to add before we get out of here, buddy? Nah, guys, I'm good. I appreciate you guys having me on as always. It's always a pleasure to join you guys. And yeah, well, uh, thank you again for, for letting me kind of jump on and talk some ball. That's it's always a pleasure to have you, man. You're always welcome, more than welcome. You can always come and uh, and have a, a wonderful Friday evening with us and help. You know, Eric and I have a pretty flexible schedule. We might be able to work something around you and we can do a recorded show or something like that if you're ever interested in anything like that. But with that, guys, thank you all for joining us on Dove Valley Deep Divers here on a wonderful Friday evening. You guys can follow us on Twitter by finding me at Lance S underscore MHH for Eric at Eric Trickle and for Luke at Luke Polglaze. Um, also, guys, while you're at it, please make sure you guys are following at mile high huddle that's the mother account where you guys find breaking news and analysis regarding your denver broncos uh you got film breakdowns opinion articles all of our draft content we've got eric said like 431 total scouting reports we're going to get put up there uh we're shoot we were shooting for 400 but eric decided to go above and beyond and get even more in there anyways you can find all that at mile high huddle and also at milehighhuddle.com um folks if you are financially able to do so great way to support the the website mile high uh, mhhmerch.com get your swag on get yourself a hat a t-shirt anything to support your favorite show uh, milehighhuddle.com there's something for the guys something for the gals anything to suit your fans you guys can find it there um super chats and stars donations are great they're wonderful we definitely appreciate everything you guys do for us because without your guys' support we couldn't do what we do best which is cover your Denver Broncos but easily the best thing you could do is subscribe no matter where you guys are at, whether it's on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, subscribe to, uh, to Mile High Huddle. Like every video you guys see, and if you love it, please share it out and get it in front of as many Broncos fans as humanly possible. Because, man, it's the greatest way that you guys can support the show is to get more eyes on what we do. Because without you, we couldn't do this on a daily basis, man. Eric, uh, before we get out of here, we lost Luke. Looks like he's got some stuff going on. <laughs> um, anywho, any last words? Do we got any big plans this weekend? Other than just doing no, work? Just going to be working and everything. And, uh, you know, slowly starting to get everything together to go to a uh, certain someone's wedding here in May. You know, I, I tried to get Luke to join us on May 19th, but for some reason that just wasn't good enough. But, uh, um, but no, Luke, thank you. For <laughs> a little busy. <laughs> yeah, well, I think we'll both be a little bit busy that night. Um, which, May 19th, by the way, I won't be here. So somebody will have to fill in for that, Lance. But anyways, oh, thank fine. you guys for joining us. I hope you guys had a enjoyed the show. I hope you guys have a wonderful weekend. Um, stay safe. Don't drink and drive. And we'll see you next week. Yeah. Uh, Kenny Abeda jumping in here at the horn with another dollar super chat. Nothing to say. Just showing some love and appreciation. And Kenny, dude, thank you for joining us, man. It's a pleasure to have another new face in, in the chat. Um, we really appreciate your support and your donation. And hopefully you stick around. Hopefully we, we entertain you and uh, help kind of enlightening with giving you some better football knowledge and hopefully Luke did a good job of not running anybody else away with too many confusing lingo stuff that he was talking about. But <laughs> with that guys, you all stay safe and take care. Have a great rest of your weekend. We will see you guys same time, safe place next week. And as always go Broncos. You are listening to Dove Valley Deep Divers with Eric Trickle and Lance Sanderson. Ball comes out of the hands of Newton. It's on the ground, picked up by T.J. Ward at the four-yard line. Vaughn Miller did it again. On Overtime Media.
Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.